Hello, and welcome to Reed Scholars Live. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Fleming and current president of Reed Scholars. Today, I am so excited to have Jeffrey McKinney with us, who was the founder of One Two Gration. And I know many of you don't know One Two Gration yet, but you will by the end of this podcast. I'm super excited to share a little bit of what I've learned in the past couple of weeks. So Jeff, how are you today? Ah, uh, I'm, I'm, I am uh, excited to be here on uh on on the on the show on the podcast i'm excited to be in such great company um it's not every day you get to um partner with and sit with someone of your background and so um i'm excited about those things i must say that this morning started out uh, a little bit more challenging for me okay. uh, i usually start off in the mornings and, and and go work out but this morning was more of a of a mental workout, if you will. Um, you know, we'll get into the the reasons behind one integration, but uh, let's just say this morning the 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 feelings of anxiety and and all of those types of things, I, I really had to put a good effort into uh, into rising above those. But it was a it, it's always a great day. I love it. I love it. And thank you for the compliment. You're too kind. Uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I, I think about my morning and I think those of us who are in this entrepreneurial um, space, you know, every day is different. You don't know exactly what you're going to wake up to and you got to just kind of sort it out. So I'm, I'm right there tracking with you. Yeah, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about, so your, your history is varied and we're gonna get into different parts of that, but let's start with talking about the technology space. So uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about technology on this particular platform, but um, I think this is a great time just to get a little bit of insight into why that was your um, specialty of choice and kind of what led you to your interest in technology in general. You know, if you had asked me this question probably two years ago, the answer would be different. Um, you know, I, I uh, it's, it's, it's the last kind of three to five years has been a very interesting journey for me to, and, and as time has progressed and I've started to move towards the entrepreneurial space and building solutions, I've been able to um, elevate to a point where I can remember more and more of my childhood. And so one of the things that came back to me was I actually have been in and around data centers since I was probably three or four years old. Um, and I and it was something that I don't know for what reason it was blocked from my span of memory. Um, but as I started to work on building technology and overcome the, the, the traumas and the triggers and all of the things that I've had through therapy, uh, I, I remember one day being locked outside of a data center and how cold it was in a data center. And I like it was like I could really see myself there. And so I think um, I was destined to be in technology. It's, it's part of the reason why I was created. Um, I've, I've had uh, plenty of time to think about how was it possible that I could be as successful as I was in those spaces for as long as I was, but also experiences, experience the challenges that I, that I have that led me to this point. And so the only thing that I can think of is it's because it was the reason why I was created. And so I was I was drawn to it. And I'm it's a part of the journey. Um, in the words of Chad Bozeman uh, at the Howard commencement speech, yeah, he so eloquently spoke about how these jobs and these opportunities are just um, 
instances or, or moments that God gives us to prepare us for our purpose. Hmm. And so, um, you know, my purpose is to build technology uh, to address the largest challenges that plague humanity. And so I couldn't have done that without 20 years of technology experience. Absolutely. And I should have warned you all, you will get many gems in the course of this conversation. Jeff likes to drop some pearls on us from now and then. So listen for those because uh, they are going to come. Um, and the you know, other interesting thing that we talk about challenges in the broad text, a context of challenges for humanity and how important data is in the broad sense of everything we do now, right? Because we are connected to technology and data and inputting our information multiple times a day um, in, in collection of data and how we collect the data, how we house the data, how we use the data influences our everyday person um, and our health on a broader on a broader spectrum from um, when we talk about health equity as you know where we live, work and play. And so all of those things are constantly intersecting. Um, but before we go too much further down that pathway, um, I know you went to Fisk in Nashville. Indeed. And so I always have to bring up my HBCU family. So my grandfather went to Fisk, my aunt went to Fisk, and of course I went to Meharry across the street. So for those of you yeah. who don't know, Meharry and Fisk are literally across the street from each other yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and so the HBCU experience, of course, was a huge part of my development. Um, so just talk to us a little bit about why Fisk and you know how did um, you know going into technology and computer science at Fisk, how did that play into your next step in life you know that's that's um that's a great question is one that really is um as you know you can't go to a place like Fisk university and not have that impact you uh, tremendously um you know i didn't know that your family, you had family that went there. I don't think and, I told you that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that warms my heart because um, the, the matriculation, as we call it, or the time there for people that are there, it impacts us all the same. Fun fact, we all have taken a certain pledge to be ahead and forward to prepare humanity for, um, for overcoming the challenges. It's, it's a part of the Fisk graduation process. Uh, and we, we say it there. And so um, that's one of the things that's fundamental, but it's, it's, it's something that's instilled in everyone that's there. And so how did I get to Fisk? I never even filled out an application. And uh, my, my mom came home one day and she had a, a manila envelope and she sat it on the table. I was going to either Texas A&M or the U University of Houston. Um, and so she sat it on the table and she said, I've been doing some work behind the scenes. Here's your, your award letter. And I really would like for you to consider going to Fisk. And at the time, one of her uh, childhood friends and college friends was married to the CFO of Fisk. And so... Uh, I had never been to Nashville. I had never been to Fisk. Uh, and so um, she said that's what she wanted. And I gave it some thought and I did a little bit of uh, research. This was at a time where there was no mobile phones to be able to search real quick. So I had to like put some effort into figuring it out. And, um, you know, one of the things that I realized about myself is I've always been really spiritually connected. And so I prayed about it. And uh, the answer was, this is the place for you. 
And so um, you just think about like the work that she was able to do and get done without me even being a part of it. And then you think about the rich, the rich history, then you partner, uh, like place that with the community where I grew up. I grew up in the Southern sector of Dallas in a community called Oak Cliff. And, um, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever been there, um, you know, it's all love, but if you've ever heard about it, then that's not what, uh, is communicated about it. And so, um, Oak Cliff, South Oak Cliff, Fisk University, it, it was, it was, it was the, it was the perfect next step for me. And so that's why I chose Fisk. Technology, uh, my mother worked in technology growing up. She wasn't in sales or anything like that, but she was in kind of like the operation side of it. And then, like I said, over the years, I had been in and out of data centers through my, my mother's network. And it was like just one of those things. And, and at the time, you could go get a computer science degree and pretty much be sure assured that you were going to come out of college and have a, 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 a great job. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, I started in 98. I finished in 2002. Well, September 11, 2001, we unfortunately had the, the events at the World Trade Center that shifted uh, the 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 the. the I guess you could say the trajectory or the landscape for uh, new grads in the computer science field. So that was, that was changed a bit, but that's why I went to Fisk and that's why I chose technology. And in thinking about um, your, how you felt about Fisk, I remember um, when I went on my interview for Meharry, like I felt like I was at home and I was like, this is where I need to be. It's interesting, you know, it's it interesting that everybody has done that story of it's, it's not just a, intellectual decision you know it's you feel it and you feel like that's where you're supposed to be well I, I will have to say if there's ever a place where i could connect with the ancestors it's there yeah yeah it is it, there i mean i can connect with them at any point at this point but at such a young age that's exactly what it was there it, it, it was it was it was speaking to me from the time i i, I uh I got there and I and I got into the place and I started building community and, and, and working alongside others. And it was just one of those things where I knew that I was a change maker. I just didn't know how I was going to go about doing that. I knew that I had a large purpose um, at a very, very early age. I always believed those types of things about me. And then to to be there in that that place with all of that history around social social change. Uh, it was it was the perfect place for me. Absolutely. And for those who don't know the history of Fisk, I, I encourage you to go look it up. It is very rich. It's very deep. Um, their legacy is long. So definitely check out Fisk when you have a little bit of um, a little bit of time. But so kind of let's move on to next step. So you left mm -hmm. Fisk and um, got a job and we, we did some time in, in corporate America, which, you know, I think to your point, thinking about when you leave college initially, the idea was like, you, you go to college to get a good job, right? And you're going to go and stay in that job and you're going to put your head down. You're going to do your work. You're going to climb the corporate ladder if that's what you want to do. Uh, but that's the, you know, the typical American dream or American trajectory. Um, so you started off down that path and, and then we might, we took a little detour. So tell us where we started and then we'll talk about the, the detour. Yeah. So <clears throat> I started in, uh, I, so I first started in online banking technical support for Bank of America working three to midnight. 
So I went from, you know, (laughs) having this vision of having this college degree and and I was going to go into this, you know, this building and have this job. And so uh, 9-11 changed that a bit. It took me some time. It was took me three or four months after graduation to actually find a job. I don't believe I started working until September or so. We graduated in in May, so it might have been longer than than four months, maybe more like five or six months. Um, and so, um, I remember starting and going into that job and I think the offer was for, it was less than $25,000. Uh, um, but it was, it was what was there. And so I went in and excelled in that role. Um, uh, and, and in that time, in that role, you won't believe this, but I had on a headset much like this with a court one night and uh, the NBA playoffs were on. And one of the managers, came up behind me and yanked the cord off, yanked the cord. And then the headset went flying back and I turned around and the manager was walking the other way. And he was like, get back to your desk. And so I picked up my headset and I went down to the manager's cube. And I was like, why would you do that? You could have, you know, could have hit me in the eye or whatever the case was. And he, he refused to, he refused to answer uh, from what I can remember. I remember leaving and saying to my team, because I was a, a excellent performer, I had won some awards for um, the kind that the team like votes on and nominates you for around holidays or whatever. I'd won a couple of those awards and I just felt like it was best for me to leave. Mm-hmm. And so the next day I called HR and I went into work at three o'clock. I called HR around noon. I went into work around three o'clock and I was called into the office where they where I was told I was being put on a written warning for threatening the the uh chris was his name the leader and i was just you know i I can't describe it i just remember how unfair that was and how there were there there were people there that were saying no he didn't do that it didn't matter it didn't matter and then there was also this like fear of being able to speak up and tell the truth that was that was there and so that was that was kind of the first time in a corporate sense that i had seen that Mm -hmm. uh and i am by nature one that when people don't feel like they have someone to step up for them i always almost feel like it's my responsibility and so but in this particular case it was impacting me and so i ended up saying you know what I was talking to some friends. They said, hey, we have these opportunities to come work in technology sales. One of those opportunities opened up. I moved into technology sales where um, I spent the next, call it 15 to 18 years on that side of the house uh, and having very, very similar challenges to what I experienced at, at Bank of America. Um, and I was highly successful in those environments. Um but it's just one of those things where you remember when you were growing up and your 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 parents, your grandmother or whoever, they would tell you, hey, you, you're just going to have to be 10 times better. Yeah. And you're going to have to be able to keep your head down and your mouth closed. And uh, what I figured out, uh, and I think my grandmother probably figured out very early on, too, but that's 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 just not me. Yeah. Um, I, I am I am always going to stand um, for what I believe is right for people. And so um, that's really ultimately what 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 drove me to the point where I had to now go down a different path and figure out what the what what I was going to go do. Um, you know, I was 
diagnosed with PTSD from these types of challenges. And I had to go and research that. And I've been in therapy for quite some time just because, you know, that was the best way for me to take care and preserve my mental health. And I, through that process, learned that the way to overcome uh, those traumas is you have to figure out a way to justify them and, and, and find healing in them. And so that's what that along with that realization, along with what I heard Chadwick Bozeman saying in that moment in 2020 is what made me say, OK, I think I got it. I'm supposed to build technology to address these problems because I know the content of my character. I know my heart. I know that I've gone out each and every day to go out and help people. And I've helped a lot of people, but there's still a small percentage of people that have been able to target me and not receive any type of accountability. Um, and so I, I decided that I was going to build technology to address this. And um, and it was best that I do it on behalf of humanity rather than trying to address it just for myself. Because at the end of the day, when I look back, I want to be able to say that I gave all of the gifts um, that, that, um, that God blessed me with. I love it. And I, you know, every time I hear, um, a similar lived experience, right? So I was, I was on a panel, I guess it was maybe six months ago, we were talking about maternal health equity, but it was a panel of black women and we all had these similar lived experiences. And one of them was that, that prep that you got when you go to school, right? Like, you know, how to act, um, how to behave that you always got to perform at a higher rate. Um, but it but it was necessary, right? Like you, our grandparents were building us to survive. And yeah. I think one of the wonderful things about at least one of the, <laughs> there's a lot of craziness going on, but one of the wonderful things about being in this time and space is now we can, we can thrive, right? We don't have to just take what people give us and say, I'm going to keep my head down and take this paycheck and go home. Um, now we have the opportunity to create for ourselves and thrive with the opportunities that we've been given. And that is what you've been doing um, in the past few years with One Two Gration. So a perfect segue and tell us about, you know, where the, the you kind of gave us a, uh, an inkling into how the idea started, but, you know, tell us from where it, it just started percolating into growing into this awesome platform that you've created today. Yeah, it, it, it started. It's so so I'll back up and say in 2017, 2018, I had a situation in the workplace to where it didn't end. It, it ended. I was very successful. I was diagnosed with uh, depression. I was down to 165 pounds. And so at that time, I started to think about what was this path going to look like for me long term? Um, just because I had seen the repetition in the way that I would be targeted. And I didn't believe that there was going to be any place or any path to that was available for me to seek refuge because I saw how these systems failed. Um, even today, you can go and ask people, you know, if you have a problem in the workplace, where, where do you go? Um, do you go to HR? I, I would say maybe one out of 10. It's probably more like one out of 25 will say that they're going to go to HR. Most people generally understand or have a perception that HR doesn't work or it's not there for them. And so um, where I started at with integration was actually not in that place. It was actually, I was looking at what was going on in the world. And then we had all of these innocent people of color that were getting um, 
murdered on the streets, uh, impacted by people that were supposed to be there to protect them. And what you would hear is you would hear how this person, whoever this officer or civil worker was, would do these things. And then you would hear all of the different voices from the various places. You would hear other police officers say, it's not all of us. And then, you know, we, you know, those are just a few bad apples. And then you would hear other people who were coming with solutions and their solution was always vote, vote, vote. And then you would always hear like these rumblings of, well, this wasn't the first time that officers had those complaints. You know that they worked over in the county next door. Mm. And, and so I started to look at this and I was like, you know, I'm a technologist. And right now, what we can't trust is what we're being provided. What if there was a centralized location for people to be able to bring those issues and we could keep track of them? And we could gather the data and we could build programs to be able to make sure that the change was 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 meaningful and that it was effective. And when it's not effective, then we could actually make some adjustments and increase the uh, efficiency um, and, and, and head in the right direction. And so uh, I remember talking to the developers and kind of giving them this idea of what I was looking at. And they, they sent me a doc, uh, uh, a deck back uh, with their pitch and it was called the Brotherhood app. So that was the very first name of One Integration was the Brotherhood app. And so um, as I was building that, um, I also knew that it was important for us to build something that was inclusive mm -hmm. of everyone. Um, a lot of times, you know, there's propaganda out there that wants you to think that, you know, we are at a racial divide in this country. And I would say the biggest racial divide is perpetuated by the media because I saw people that didn't look like me supporting me. Um, I saw people that wished that they could speak up, but they just didn't want the same thing to happen to them that they that had happened to me. And not all of those people look like me. I also saw people that look like me that played for the other team. Mm -hmm. And so as I was looking at this, I said, you know, we have to build something that's about oneness. That's about what, what makes us all, um, uh, uh, kin if you will the similarities that we share um because if we focus on those things um then we actually build tighter community for example if someone says something if one of my buddies says something insulting to me i would probably seek to understand what they meant and be able to express my feelings back around whether or not i thought that was valid or whether they clarified and i and i understood and, and let them know how i how i almost misunderstood that whereas if i'm out in the community and somebody I don't know says something insulting to me, probably going to respond differently. Right. And so I felt pretty passionate that the answer was uh, predominantly around building community. And so as time progressed, I continued to face these things in the workplace all the way up until the point where I was actually diagnosed with PTSD from people being allowed to like just straight up yell at me like they were talking to their dog or somebody somebody else I don't know like I didn't I my dog just passed away after 15 years January 1st 2023 I never even talked to my dog this way like I I mean her ashes are right up here uh like I don't I don't see why anybody would ever be allowed or talk to someone this way not only was this person did they do it but they were allowed to do it in the face in the presence of corporate leadership and so with that being said, I was like, man, I'm going to open up the scope of this 
And I'm now going to bucketize these challenges that people face into three different buckets. And that's community, personal, and workplace. Um, and I'm gonna be able now to build out a system and a set of services. So we went out and we, tra we, we, um, we trademarked the term responsible. So responsible, social, together is responsible. And we said, what we're gonna do is we're gonna create a set of responsible services. Um, and so that starts with our digital community, which is called, uh, we call it responsible media and the name of it is responsible. So we don't wanna be in the same lane as social media because they have a different agenda than we do. And so we are responsible media, um, that's trademarked, the term responsible. And then we have responsible services, the first three that we're releasing and launching are legal, HR, and well-being. I love it. And, you know, I, my friend and I were talking about TikTok the other day, but, you know, <laughs> all of these social media platforms that keep coming and, you know, there are things about them that are great about, you know, being connected and being able to share things that you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to share um, easily with people who are far away or being connected to people that you lost contact with a long time ago. Um, but then we're disheartened by some of these algorithms. So your point of the, their point is not your point for being That's on social right. media, right? Um, and then sometimes it's very easily, it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole. It's very easy to be swayed um, by some of these algorithmic methods that, um, that to your point, introduces divides that don't have to be there. Um, I really like also coming back to the human nature of things and, and that, you know, that's what I always came back to as we talked about all of our social justice issues um, in the past few years. And I was like, I just want you to give me the capacity to be human and, and, and lead with grace. You know, if, mm -hmm. if we could do that with each other, um, I think we would be in a much better place. But, you know, here we are, um, and you are creating a solution to give people that space to feel safe. Um, but also be able to actively intervene on their behalf. And to your point, a lot of times you just don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know. And, and, and sadly, for a lot of us, we don't know if we're right or wrong, right? Like we've been socialized to think we're supposed to do certain things in, in a certain way. And we don't often know we're being mistreated, right? And so we need somebody to say, that's not right. Nobody has to treat you, should treat you like that and let us help help you to make it better. So I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think it's clearly a, a place that is needed. Um, and so definitely looking forward to seeing how it continues to evolve and, and, you know, hope to jump on the platform as well and, and engage with you in that way. So I'm never letting you let go of me, Mary Fleming. <laughs> We're bonded for life now. I'm never letting you let go of me. We're going to be working together in some way, shape, form, or capacity for a long time. That's that's the way I'm manifesting it. That's the way I'm envisioning it. it. Um, I, I've, I've been telling people about this rare gem that I found that and the way that it came and how divine it was since we we we, we first spoke. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Another thing I would add, too, because most times... I end up talking about the, the challenges around uh, the workplace, but there are other challenges that are out in the community. For example, I actually have a documented case where I was profiled based off of, I don't know, uh, where I went into a place here in Texas in Plano, the legacy, Shops of Legacy West, which is like this upscale place. Um, it's like an outdoor shopping mall. I went in there, I pulled in, I had on like a, a 
V-neck Nike workout shirt. I had on some Nike running shorts. Uh, didn't even have pockets big enough to hold my wallet and my wallet was in my hand, I believe. And so I went there because the new Gucci Adidas gazelles were dropping and I had to have them. <laughs> and you had to have them. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have them. And so I went there, I bought the shoes. A buddy of mine, he bought a pair as well. We dropped them back off in the into the car. And then we went down to another eyeglass place. So one of my things in my branding is that I love eyewear. So I probably got like 70 or 80 pairs of different glasses and shades. They have a little spot over in my office. Uh, and I mean, like usually on call. They don't like, even work well anymore. <laughs> hey, no, no. Like seriously, if this was not a like a for real call, like I would be sitting here and I'd have shades on and I'd just be putting on different shades. Like I just like the, that's just me. It's kind of my thing. Well, I went in there and I was checking, going through all of the different counters, looking at all the different shades, my buddy and I. And then right when we got to the last one, I sensed a little bit of pause from I was getting ready to open the last one. And then the guy that was working there said, sir, I, sir, I'll help you with that. But he was helping someone else. And I was like, oh, it's open. He says, yeah, yeah, I know it's open. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, we've been in here for 30, 30 minutes or so. And so I told my buddy, I was like, yeah, let's let's just leave. As soon as we walk out, I'm approached from behind from a security guard. And he's like, sir, I need your name. And I'm like, who are you? And, and why do you need my name? He says, well, the guy in the last store called security on you. And so I said, for what? What happened? And he says, I don't know, but I was asked to come here. And so I took out my phone and I turned on the camera and I was like, let's go back and talk to him. And he's like, sir, if you go back into the store, I'm gonna have to call the police on you. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I'm rolling the footage and I'm, and I, so I caught, no, I called the store. So I had to get off my camera. I called the store and the guy said, I said, Hey, I want to talk to the manager. I saw him, the owner, he's in the back. I've purchased a, a pair of shades that were around a thousand dollars from him before at this location. I'm trying to figure out what I did wrong. I'm trying to figure out like, why was the security call? He says, sir, it's not happening. Click. Wow. So I called back again and I'm like, brother, I don't think you, you understand. Like I'm, I'm the techpreneur. Like I build technology to address stuff like this and this is not going to go away. Uh, I, I really would like to know what it was that I did because I don't even know how I can not do it again because I don't know what it was. Sir, you won't, uh, you know, whatever he said, and he hangs up a second time. So it's those issues as well. Now we've created that in a virtual sense. You can check it out on our social media profile through uh, my business partner, Merck Universe, and the Merck Moji service that he provides. And now we can actually use that to teach systems and also give victims a place for to be heard so that they don't walk away and not understand that that trauma was given to them for a reason. And there's an opportunity for, for all of us collectively to leverage that to create a better world. So this is, it's not just about workplace. It's about building community and having a place to celebrate and a place to get better together in a, in a place that we can believe it's not just uh, some people just giving us lip service. 
Uh, absolutely. I I will say one of the things I hate the worst is for somebody to accuse me of something I didn't do <laughs> and then not want to acknowledge it. I'm, I'm like, sir. And and this is this is this is coming from a guy who grew up in inner city to a born to a 17-year-old mother. I was a 17-year-old father, so I have a son who's 20 be 26 later on this year. I have never been in a police car. I have never been handcuffed. Uh which you could if your assumption is I've never been to jail, I have never been to jail. Uh and so Character and integrity are like the hallmark of who I am. And so, like, it really still bothers me, kind of, that they did this. And I wonder what I would have felt like had I not had this tool right. to be able to now respond back with. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, that's the thing we're trying to shift. Because the, the way people do things should not be able to be, we should not be left in a position to where we're, we're feeling uh, traumatized by somebody else's decisions. And so those things will happen, but when they do, people will have a set of resources um, to, to address that. Yeah, I mean, bringing agency, like literally to people's um, hands is, is huge. Um, I, I've already kept you too long. So, but I do want uh, one more thing before we close. So you've talked, you know, you've been very open and vulnerable telling us about your story and your journey. And I think, um, I mean, just to be frank, um, I think I'm also appreciative that we're in a culture that black men are willing to do this, right? This is also new. Um, and so I really appreciate that you, you've done that for us. Um, and for those people who are you know, in this place where they might be struggling at work or struggling at home or having, you know, mental health challenges and don't know what to do. What what is your words for encouragement? How um, would you um, direct them to their next best step if they're in that that point of struggle? Well, for me, um, I would have to say I would be misleading people if I didn't tell you that it didn't start with my spirituality. Um, and so uh, it, it's and, and, and I see spirituality as something different from being religious. And so um, I've got access. I've got direct connect to the source to be able to go to and actually look at the rule book and be able to now seek to understand, um, you know, why these things may occur. I think far too often, um, you know, we're left in these traumatic places and we we are we have been taught that these things are normal and that they are they're they're just a reality of life and so what i would say is to trust your feelings and anytime your feelings tell you that something isn't normal then you should go and seek the right resources for you to understand something that you may be misunderstanding or for you to actually have the support that you need to help you move forward in faith and without fear to go stand up for yourself and others. And so that's the reason why we built this. I cannot be a spiritual anything. I am not God. However, what I can do is I can provide a set of solutions and the resources that would allow for you to be able to 
decrease the amount of anxiety and fear that you have, and then move into a, a place where you can actually flow in faith more easily. And so uh, I would say uh, start off with the spiritual journey. And then the second thing is I've been eight, eight years. It'll be in June or July that I've been meeting biweekly with my, my own therapist. And so I mean, even this morning, like I literally was walking through the gym trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was halfway lost with brain fog. And I saw my wife and she was like, well, you're looking like you're lost. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. I, I like it was I was processing all these feelings. And she said, yoga, mm. go do yoga. And so I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I need to do. I need to go breathe. Um, and so I would say uh, spirituality. I would say mental health resources. And then the last thing, uh, it's kind of like what my wife represents. She she represents, uh, of course, she's my significant other, but she's also a part of my community that I have where we, 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 we have a set of eyes on each other and we're responding and supporting each other from a position of everybody seeking and, and working towards um, healing. And so those are the three things that I would I would say to to focus on. And uh, if you can't get there, then just go to www.wantegration, figure out how to sign up and tell us what's up. And I promise you that um, you'll get a response from us. I love it. I love it. We couldn't have ended in a better way. Um, and just an underscore, underscore, underscore support system, support system, support system, whatever that is for you. Yeah. Um, definitely do that. And now you have an, an external one in one to Gratian as well um, that you all can lean on. Um, so with that, thank you so much. I truly appreciate your time, your story. Um, and you, you all will probably see us doing something else again. <laughs> As Jefferson said, we, we are now bonded forever. Um, but yes, with that, thank you again. Yeah. And I will be talking to you soon. Hey, I, I loved it. The work that you're doing is amazing. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so grateful um, to be in a in a season to where I can attract and receive this type of energy. And uh, if there's anyone else out there that want to uh, come join this party that Mary and I are going to continue <laughs> to to grow, uh, reach out, reach out because we're doers and uh, we, we, we're doers on behalf of others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again.